Good morning to everyone. And we're grateful to have you here today uh, for our time of worship before the Lord. And I just want to give you a couple of announcements, and then we're going to do one more announcement uh, between the uh, worship time in song and the time in the Word of God today. Uh, so this Friday night, we have the privilege of having, we're going to host a live stream of the Sight and Sound uh, story on the life of David. So that will be here Friday night. That starts at 7 o'clock. We'll do a slight intermission in the middle of it. And one clarification that's important. Somebody thought that Sight and Sound was actually coming to... <laughs> that's not what it is, okay? You'll be disappointed if that... <laughs> so just for clarification, okay? But it will be, it's a great opportunity to see a very powerful presentation of the life of David and begin to get some of the Bible storyline together in your mind. So that's why we're hosting that. So that's free. I would really encourage you to uh, get the announcement that came out on email, push that out on your Facebook and invite people to come. So there's no cost and uh, it's just an opportunity for the community to gather and to uh, hear and learn from God's Word. On September 11th, we will be beginning our Sunday school classes. We'll have a couple adult classes, and then there will be a number of classes for the teens and for younger people as well. On September 17th, this is a Saturday night, we're going to be hosting a, an event called Gushima. That is the Rwandan word, which means to thank, to praise, or to admire. And what this basically is, is we support a mission group in Rwanda. We've done that for a fairly long period of time. And it's an opportunity for you to understand what's going on uh, in Rwanda, to uh, be in touch with one of the leaders that's going to be with us that evening to share and kind of guide us through uh, the wonderful things that have been happening there and an opportunity for you to understand why we're investing in missions to make the name of God known in places where it is often unknown. Okay, so it's a real opportunity to connect in a more vital way to understand what's going on, and that'll help you to know how to be praying uh, for those missionaries. Okay, Anthony Bono is going to come up real quick. This young man has a special announcement of sorts, so I'm going to let you just explain why you're up here. Good morning, church family. <clears throat> I mean, they announced it last Sunday, and uh, I actually had the privilege of watching service with my newly born son. On 819, he was, thank you, he was born 8.55 p.m., 7 pounds, 5 ounces, and then that following Sunday, I got to share service with him over the internet, which was awesome, and uh, the birth, everything went smooth, mother is doing great, Kim is doing awesome, I cried more than he did when he was born, so that was pretty good, <laughs> but such an amazing thing, God is great. Quick little testimony before I give it back to you. That morning when we went to the, uh, we actually had a regular doctor's appointment, and uh, Kim was about having it with being pregnant at this point, you know, through the summer. So uh, <clears throat> we went to the doctor's appointment just to have them do a little check on how he's doing, if he's running out of room, if he has to come sooner. And we had a sonogram done everything, and we were sitting in the office waiting for the doctor to come in, Sonogram technician said, oh, I don't believe that he's going to be coming anytime soon. We're probably going to have to wait a little bit longer. And you can imagine how happy Kim was with that, right? So uh, I prayed over her, over her belly and everything. And uh, she had a, a, 
sensors hooked up to her that was reading contractions and reading the baby's heartbeat. And he was just in there hanging out. And I prayed over him. And as soon as I said amen, the doctor walked in. And boom, contractions, boom, contractions, boom, contractions, boom, contractions. And she's like, I'm going to kill you. What did you do? You know? <laughs> I was like, it wasn't me. It was God. I was praying that this would be over for you. And it started in motion, right? Literally as the doctor opened the door. So God is great. So amen. Stay right here. Let's, let's pray together this morning. Father, as we come to worship you, uh, we give you thanks for the uh, happy things that we can celebrate. Uh, for the causes of joy and for uh, little Anthony Vincent. Uh, God, we thank you for this little uh, boy that you've given to Anthony and Kim and to Sister Madison. Uh, we ask that your blessing would rest on this little life and that you will use this young boy for your glory. Give Anthony and Kim wisdom as they shepherd uh, their child's heart uh, towards you. God, give them wisdom and favor and courage in the age that we live in to guide in truth. And uh, Father, as we pray, we think of, uh, of Diana Kelly, we think of uh, Brother Jim Ash, and uh, you know, a number of others within our church family that are going through seasons of struggle. And as Anthony saw answer to prayer, God, we pray for them that we would see uh, favor, very extreme favor in their lives. Uh, God, in our worship this morning, we ask that you will glorify your name. Uh, we know that we live in a world where often your name is being torn down, where your truth is often under attack. And Lord, we gather together to remind ourselves that God is on the throne, that God is in control, that God is worthy, and that he is to be praised. So Lord, help us today to lift our hearts together in great joy. And through our worship this morning, uh, encourage our hearts and our walk with you, we pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said... Amen. Amen. Let's stand together to worship. We won't fear the battle. We won't fear the battle. We won't fear the night. You will lead the way We have found a refuge Only you can save Sing with joy now Our God is for us The Father's love is a strong and mighty fortress Raise your voice now No love is greater Who can stand against us If our God is for us I stumble even when I stumble even when I fall even when I turn back still your love is sure you will not abandon you will not forsake you will cheer me onward with never-ending grace sing with joy now our God is for us the Father's love is a strong and mighty fortress Raise your voice now, no love is greater Who could 
stand against us if our God is for us. Neither height nor death can separate us. Hell and death will not defeat us. He who gave his son to free us holds me in his love. Neither height nor death can separate us. Hell and death will not defeat us. He who gave his son to free us holds me in his Sing that one more time. Neither height nor death can separate us. Hell and death will not defeat us. He who gave his son to free us holds me in his love. Sing with joy now, our God is for us. The Father's love is a strong and mighty fortress. Raise your voice now, no love is greater. Who can stand against us if our God is for us? Sing with joy now, our God is for us. The Father's love is a strong and mighty fortress. Raise your voice now, no love is greater. Who can stand against us if our God is for us? All creatures. All creatures of our God and King, lift up your voice and with us sing. Oh, praise Him. Alleluia. Thou burning sun with golden
Jesus for the blood applied 
each and every one of us as believers, Father. We adore you for that, and we ask you, Father, that this morning you would make all these truths that we just sang deeper and deeper applied to our hearts. Father, thank you for this time of worship. God, now as uh, Doug comes, we ask, Lord, that you would just bless him with his message as he's uh, prepared for us to deliver, that uh, you would just incarnate his message to us this morning and soften our hearts for what you have to say to us. We have your praise in Christ's name. Amen. just want to give a special announcement from Kristen. Kristen, if you want to come. I have Cameron with me today, too. Uh, good morning, everyone. My name is Kristen Kiera. Uh, I coordinate child care here at the chapel. For those of you who don't have young kids or don't know, uh, we provide child care for the duration of our entire service for kids age six months up through five years old. Um, so we have two different child care rooms that we provide full care for during the service, and we are in need of some volunteers to help staff those rooms. Um, we have a preschooler room for ages three up through kindergarten, and then a toddler nursery for six months up through three years old. Um, if you are interested in serving in this capacity, there's three ways that you can let me know that. You can find me after the service. Right from here, I'm going back to the preschool room to hang out with the little guys today. So you can come find me back there after the service. There is a sign-up sheet out in the front. If you're filling that out, just please write really clearly. I've had some names filled in that I've had trouble deciphering email addresses and phone numbers. Um, and this week, I'm going to be sending an email out. Um, you'll get it from probably Dave um, with a link to kind of help me get your info. Um, this is really important that we give our parents of young kids the opportunity to enjoy our service um, without having them right with us the whole time. We love them dearly, um, but sometimes it's hard for us to maybe listen, um, you know, or just have a moment to breathe um, without them. And we have great, great care back there. Our toddler nursery is just simply hanging out with them, playing with them. Our preschool is a very informal story, lesson, snack. Um, neither of those rooms require anything like prep from you during the week, other than just showing up a little bit early on a Sunday morning to help us in that capacity. So if you are an adult that is looking for a way to serve, um, our weekly, our rotation is usually once every six weeks. We try to keep it kind of spaced out so we don't burn anyone out. We are also looking for some teenage helpers. So if you are a teenager that would like um, to hang out with some fun kids every couple weeks on a Sunday morning, you can let me know as well. So we're looking for adults. We're looking for teenagers. You can talk to me, sign up on the sheet out there, or respond to the email that comes out there this week. That's all. Announcement. We are again setting the stage for our next live broadcast event coming to Sight and Sound TV this September. Ladies and gentlemen, get ready for David Live. few details you need to know. 
The live broadcast is one night only, Friday, September 2nd. But don't worry, if that showtime doesn't work for you, there will be encore showings throughout Labor Day weekend. This special event will include a 10-minute pre-show where I'll be taking you behind the scenes as we get ready for showtime. So join us from wherever you are in the world and take your front row seat for this legendary live broadcast only on Sight & Sound TV. Well, good morning. So that's this Friday night at 7 o'clock. You get to watch it right here. Yeah. And it doesn't cost you anything, right? right? We're not charging, right? No, 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 no. Okay. You know, had we thought about... No, 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 no. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Okay. Well, if you have your Bibles, um, I ask you to turn over to Proverbs chapter 2. Just a, maybe a, an overview of some things that are coming up as we come to the fall. And we're excited about some of the series and some of the things we're doing. So Sunday, oh, oh thank you. Uh, junior Church, young people for Junior Church can be dismissed at this point. Thank you very much, James. Um, so we begin Sunday school, as Tim said, in two weeks. So we want to invite you to come on out. For the adults, you have two options. We've got... One, something that I'm leading out called Listening to Jesus' Stories, a study of Jesus' parables in Luke. And James will be leading out another one. James, I came up with the title, so you might not fully like it, but it is what it is right now. How how to Fight Well, colon, Handling Conflicts Biblically. Is, Is that... We could change it around, but anyway, that, that we had talked about it this morning, and I whipped it down there and whatever. So anyway, but so James will be leading that series on conflict resolution issues, and so, and then I'll be doing something on the parables. So just keep all that in mind. We're finishing up on the Proverbs series here in the next two weeks. I'm going to do Proverbs 2 this week and Proverbs 5 next week. Um, and then we're going to just do some favorite Bible verse things that James and Tim will be sharing with you. We're having a missionary speaker. And then the beginning of October, we're starting a series on the book of Ecclesiastes. So um, that, that's such a fascinating book. So you may want to start even reading Ecclesiastes between now and then. So that will run us into uh, winter of 23. And so that's kind of where we're going, preaching-wise and for Sunday school, just to kind of give you an update on that. So if you have your Bible, you can turn it to Proverbs chapter 2. I don't get a chance, I don't watch a lot of TV, just um, kind of the way life works out. But I do sometimes like to watch series. And um, so, some of the series that you find on Masterpiece, Masterpiece Theater, have you seen any of those? They pick up in Britain 150, 200 years ago and so forth. And so we, we did start one about two weeks ago. And, and, and again, I was, I was intrigued by this. I don't know if I'll watch the whole thing. We started at schools here, so probably not. But, but, but I was intrigued watching. It was very, very, very well done. And, and, and again, it kind of gets you into the life. And what you saw again and again is people doing completely foolish and stupid things. And it messes up relationships and all kinds of stuff. And I kept, you know, you, you ever talk to the TV? You know, as if they're listening, like, hey, stop that. 
no, no, don't do that. You know, that kind of thing. So they don't ever listen. But, but, but you know what I'm talking about? Realistic shows that show us failures in people's lives again and again. When you go, like, boy, that was foolish. Stop it. No. The sad part is it's not just on TV, is it? It's true. It's, it's real. It's what we've seen. It's what we've experienced so often. And, and, and the question is, how can we prevent finding ourselves going down these dead-end streets and having to figure out how to back out? You know what I'm saying? And we all have been down those streets at times. Some of us have been down farther than others for a variety of reasons. But we all know what that's about. And one of the beauties of the book of Proverbs, because this is not a problem with contemporary Americans. This is a problem with everybody that's a son or daughter of Adam and Eve. It's all of us. And one of the beauties of the book of Proverbs is you have this father figure who is pleading with his son, specifically in the first nine chapters of Proverbs, again and again and again, calling his children to walk in a way that they don't have to end up there and to pursue wisdom. And so I, I want to just kind of talk through this proverb with you, this, this chapter with you. It's a powerful chapter. Um, and, 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 and at the end of the day, he's going to call us to pursue wisdom. So, because, do you ever wonder sometimes with God if he's trying to make your life miserable? Don't answer too quick. But yeah, we have, haven't we? But I would argue at the end of the day, God does not promise us an easy life. He never has. But he does want to give us a good life as his people. Not easy. They're very different. A life without regrets. Where you can look back and you can say it was hard, but it was good. And, and, and Proverbs is all about allowing God's people to thrive even if they're going through difficult situations. It's all about that. So, pursuing wisdom, the pain is worth the gain is the, kind of the theme I'm using for that. And what I want to do is this, as we walk through it. Th- this is a really interesting chapter. Um, yeah, I tried to put a couple visuals up this time to keep you from falling asleep. So, so yeah, try, try to put that in sometimes. This chapter is really fascinating. It works off of what we call an if-then model. And so in the first four verses, it says, if, 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 then in verse 5, then, and again in verse 9, then. So it's telling us, look, there's work to be done, but it's worthwhile, the then. Does that make sense? So the first four verses are the ifs. The last several verses are showing us the then or the, or the byproduct there. So what I want to do today is I want to switch the order in which I preach them. I normally just run the text the way it is. But I want to actually pick up in verse 5. And I want to talk about, okay, what's the consequence of doing what God calls us to do? I want to start there and walk through it with you and then come back and say, all right, if that's what we get, let's get at it. Does that make sense? So that, that's very simply the logic of the way I'm trying to do this today. 
So I want to go ahead and begin there in verses, chapter 2, verses 5 and 22. This is the then. This is what you actually get from this whole thing. And, and again, in this section, um, just, just an aside on reading your Bible. Okay, you, you know this probably, but just as a reminder. So often, one of the keys to understanding what's going on in the text is to look for words that repeat themselves. Because that's put there for emphasis by the writer. And, 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 and it's interesting, what you have happening here is, look at verse 5. Then you will understand. He's going to tell us what. Look at verse 9. Then you will understand. And he's going to give us something else. You see, so it's real important. And, and when you see the word understand, don't think just intellectual cognition or something. Don't just think like, beep, beep, okay, I see that. It's much broader than that. Wisdom is not about filling my head with facts, is it, folks? It's about learning things so that I can live those things out in my life. Wisdom is always applied knowledge. It is never meant to be left in my head. So when you see words like understand, don't just think intellectual. This is something that goes so deep into my soul, into my heart, that it then just seeps out into the way that I live my life. Make sense? So then, he tells us two things. First of all, let me just flip my notes here, make sure I'm on the right page. Okay, yeah. Um, First of all, he talks about the fact that you and I if we do what he says in the first four verses, can have a deep, authentic, real relationship with God. Look what he says, verse five. After doing the ifs, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. When you hear fear of the Lord, comes to your mind? Do you go like, ah, scared to death? I, I would argue that, that, that when you see the word fear of the Lord, different writers have explained it different ways. It means that you take God seriously for who he is and all of his attributes. All of them. So, It's sometimes called an affectionate reverence for God. Because what it means is, whatever this process that goes on in the first four verses, do you mean that I can go deeper in my relationship with God so there is this affectionate reverence for God for who he is and all of his glory and majesty and sovereignty and might and love and compassion and mercy and grace? It's all of that. You take the God of the universe seriously. You know what I worry about sometimes? Even with people who profess to know Christ, that God is somebody they talk about, but not somebody that they actually talk to personally. Do you you know what I mean? And and look, we all have those times when our, our relationship with God is hazy and fuzzy. Like, I understand The writer of Proverbs is saying, I I want you to come to have this affectionate reverence for God where you just come and you you know him, not intellectually merely, merely, 
But I mean, you talk to him. You experience his grace and his mercy. You fear him to all that, all of it. For who he is, you know him personally, and you respond accordingly. That's worth more than all the gold there is in this entire world, folks. Do you mean there is a way that Doug Finkbeiner can go so deep in his relationship with God that he can talk to God and laugh with God and cry before God and thank God and praise God and petition for people who don't know God the way they should because you're burdened that they haven't experienced what you've experienced? Yeah, all of that. That's worth all the, more than all the money in the world, folks. He goes on to explain the benefit of that in verses 7 and 8. He says this, uh, uh, yeah, verse, verse 7 and 8. He, he holds success in store for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk blameless. For he guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. I'm convinced of something, folks. Yeah, do you notice what he says here? He holds success in store for the, for the upright. Now, d- don't misread that. He holds wealth and a lot of money for those that are... No, no, no. That's not success, folks. Okay? What he says is, I want you to live the life I've designed for you in a way that there will be no regrets as God is glorified. And God says, I have that for you. It's stored up. It's ready to go. And what I want to do is work in your life in such a way that wherever you find yourself... Oh, do you, do you, ever, do you ever play um, go bowling when they put those, those things up on the end that you can never go into the gutter? Yeah. Yeah, I, I kind of like that, actually. Um, <laughs> it allows me to compete with whoever I'm playing with. Um, but, but isn't, isn't that kind of what God's saying here? There's these gutters on both sides, and God says, as you come to know me and experience me and think of me and meditate on me and ask what it means to live me before people, when that just consumes you. I put up these bumpers so that your ball doesn't go into the gutter. It's just keep popping back into the middle. Yeah, you actually might hit a couple pins. Matter of fact, you will. It's guaranteed. God says, as you know me, there's places you will never have to go to learn very hard lessons because I will guide you in the process. I don't know about you, but that's a pretty sweet deal. He has another then. It's here in verse 9, and it runs really to the end of the chapter. And it'll tell us, not only can you have this authentic, rich relationship with God, but you can live a life with people, relationally, that's completely the way God would have it to be. In a way that everybody benefits. Look at what he says, verse 9. Then you will understand what is right and just and fair every good path. One of the other themes that runs all the way through Proverbs chapter 2 are themes like path, walking, journey, those kinds of things. Because he, 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 he pictures the entire life of the Christian as this walk where you're going and moving somewhere. 
And he says, as you're going along, I want you to be a person who is fair and equitable and just and appropriate with people. Do you think we have any of those problems in our day? Where people are treated based on who they are or who they know or how much money they have or blah, 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 blah. It's true. It's true. Who of us haven't experienced it? And God says, I want you to be a man or woman who knows the appropriate thing to do and to say in all of your relationships. Man, who wouldn't want that? I mean, he would say like, oh, I don't know, that doesn't interest me at all. No, if you're a Christian, don't you want that? Yeah, I mean, for he tells us why, verse 10. For wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will protect you and understanding will guard you. I love this. It's inside out Christianity, folks. He says, at the very core of your soul, because you go through the process I ask you to go through and you come to know me more deeply first, foundationally, you will then move back into your world and what will seep out of your soul is wisdom. And the great love of your soul will be wisdom. And that will flesh itself out in what you say and what you do with all the people in your relationships that you have. That's pretty pretty good stuff. In particular, he's going to say this in verses 12 and following. I'm reading from the NIV. Literally in the Hebrew, it says... To save you, verse 12, and again down in verse 16, to save you, but the editors have put the word wisdom in there just for clarification, so I'll read it the way they have it. But, but here's the point. He says, you first of all have this deep relationship with God, which then has so transformed you from the inside out that you begin to desire it, you begin to think it, and you begin to live it, in all of your relationships. And he says, I I, I do this because I want to protect you in your relationships. Because it's very, very easy to get involved in relationships which are not helping you, but actually leading you away from this path. Does it make sense? So who exactly you need to be delivered from? He tells us, verse 12. Wisdom will save you from the ways of wicked men From men whose words are perverse, who have left the straight paths to walk in dark ways, who delight in doing wrong, rejoice in in the perverseness of evil, whose paths are crooked, and who are devious in their ways. Now, there's a lot we could say there, but I probably should just summarize and move quickly. But here's the point. All of us are influenced by others, either actually or virtually. Right? Because there's a lot of people who are influenced by stuff on the internet and TikTok and uh, Snapchat and blah, blah, blah. I mean, they, they come out with these things so quickly, I can't keep up with them. My kids say, hey, Dad, if you're little, little, what is that one? Like, where'd that one come? Why can't we just like, have email and just live life that way? You know, but it's not going to happen. I, and I know email is so old, it just tells you how old I am. I, I know. My kids get on me on this all the time, but, but I'm trying. But here's the point. There's a lot of things around us that influence us, not just our face-to-face encounter with people that we actually hang out with, right? 
And so if you think a little bit more broadly about this passage, one of the things that God wants to do is, if in your heart of hearts what you have is this incredible, affectionate love for God that begins to change you, we would say, by the Holy Spirit as a Christian from the inside out, that it begins to change the way you live, God says, there's things because I love you and I want you to succeed. I don't want you to be with them, and I don't want you to be with them because they will not help you in your walk with God. We do this all the time with young people, don't we? This is a great, this is like a really great uh, camp message where you go, young people, watch your peers. Who are your best friends? And that's completely appropriate to talk about, okay? Young people, it's completely appropriate to talk about. So young people, watch your friends. Adults, watch your friends. Who do you hang out with that shapes the way you think? It can be actual and virtual. And please, folks, you say, well, shouldn't we hang out with people that don't know the Lord? Of course we should, because we love them in the name of Christ. Of course. You can even call them friends. I understand that. I I get it. But you should have a group of people around you whose purpose is ultimately to help you in that walk with Christ. This guy and this group that's talked about here are talked about in much greater detail in Proverbs chapter 1 at the end of the chapter. And it's all about the fact that there's influences out there that are trying to get you off the path to go the wrong way. And the text says, I want to protect you. Evaluate your influences, actual and virtual. What do you read? What do you study? Who do you listen to? All those things are really, really important because they can lead us away from what is most central and most important. Having said that, my job is to read. I read things constantly. And I read a lot of stuff I don't like reading, but I have no choice because I'm a teacher. So I get that. And I'm not saying to put your head in the sand. But at the end of the day, who do you go to when you want advice? and how to live and how to do things. Do you see? And, and Proverbs is saying, I want to help you. So from the inside out, you can move back in your relationships wisely. And you can watch out for this, and you can watch out for that. The second thing to save from is in there in verse 16. Look at what he says. Wisdom will save you also from the adulterous woman, from the wayward woman with her seductive words, who has left the partner of her youth. I didn't notice this till this week. I was reading, reading this again and looking at it. And again, the repetition is really interesting to me. Both the evil people in verse 13 and the, 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 the wayward woman in verse 17, the Bible says they have left something. Did, did you see that? Th- these are not people that have no awareness of the ways of God at all, at least generally. These are people that say like, oh yeah, I know Christianity stuff, yeah, but whatever. Yeah, 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 Christ is important, but this is also really important. Your feelings are really important. How you feel and what you want, that's really important too. I know, I kind of grew up with some of that stuff too. Wow, that's often the most deceptive of all, isn't it? Both the evil evil man and the evil woman in this passage have left 
what they claimed they believed about God. So watch your relationships. We don't know exactly. The scholars will debate who, who this woman is. She's called a strange woman. It, it, it probably includes, for instance, in Israel, you would often have proselytes coming in, people who would confess that they want to become part of Israel. And you might have a woman who's from another nation would marry this guy. And, and, and apparently what's happened here is, is there was this commitment I'm committed to you before God for a lifetime. All the stuff you would say in marriage. But at some point along the way, this woman says, I don't like this guy. He's not nice enough to me. He's not this. He's not handsome like he used to be. Everything is sagging in his life. And, you know, I mean, just a whole host of things. And she's thinking, he's got to be a better person for me than this guy. And, and she leaves the partner that she made a commitment to years before. Tim preached on this from the book of Malachi on the flip side, where you have men who left the wives, that their partners that they had made a commitment to. So if this is not a woman problem. This is a people problem. And as his father is talking to his son, he's saying, look, there are all kinds of temptations and allurements out there Look at what happens here. She's left the partner of her youth, ignored the covenant she made before God. Surely, her house leads to death and her paths to the spirits of the dead. None who go to her return or attain the paths of life. I'm going to actually talk more about this issue next week because I want to talk about protecting uh, marital purity from Proverbs 5. So I want to actually come back and to this theme, so I'm not going to spend much time on it here. Only to say this, folks. Through the years of pastoring, and 30-some years now, my goodness, Tim, it's been a long time. You're getting old, man. <laughs> um, I, I, I can't tell you the heartbreak and the pain that I've seen from sexual infidelity and unfaithfulness in homes. And when this text says it leads to death, it may not be literal death, but it is a death-like experience for people that go through it. That is so true. And, and, And the writer of Proverbs says those things, she can just sound so appealing in this moment, whether it's actual or virtual, And the writer of Proverbs says, I want to save you from that. This guy's a realist. He knows how it works in life. He knows what people say. He knows what people do. And he's pleading with his son, I don't want that for you. I want you to come to know the true and living God, the very core of your being, first by trusting him as Lord and Savior, and then going deeper in that faith walk with him. And I want you to have these guardrails that come up because God is with you. He's protecting you from those inappropriate influences and and those temptations and allurements because I want your good. I'm not out to destroy you. I want your life to mean something. 
And instead, I want you to be embraced by those who walk the same way. So he ends by saying this in verse 20. Now, I'm not quite done because I have to go back to verses 1 to 4, so relax. But, but at least let me read it. Verse 20. Thus you will walk in the way of the good and keep to the paths of the righteous. There's a lot of good people trying to do the exact same thing as you. Walk with them. For the upright will live in the land and the blameless will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land and the unfaithful will be torn from it. Only one thing about the land. There's a lot to say about land, but I'd say this. In Hebrews chapter 12, the writer of Hebrews tells us that Abraham is ultimately looking at a city beyond anything that's earthly here right now, isn't he? And I would argue this. We are all, as God's people, promised the land. There is a new heaven and a new earth for us. I can't promise you that you won't have problems here and that people won't rip you off and hurt you and and all kinds of stuff. But ultimately, the land is ours. So, going back, what's our part? Pursuing wisdom is work. Howard Hendricks said years ago, and, and, and there's things to tweak with this. I, I get it. But there's, there's truth to it. So let me just read it. He said this. He says, Christianity has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and not tried. And there's more you can say. Yeah, but what? I, I, I know, I know. But there, there's, a, there's a kernel of truth there, isn't there? Because if the Christian life was easy, and it's true... Yoking with Christ is far better than yoking with anything else. Absolutely. But it's still a yoke. Okay? Look what the writer says when it comes to pursuing wisdom. Because for most of us, we look at what happens in verses 5 to 22, and we go like, man, I'm all over that thing. Like, yeah, I'll take that today, thank you. And just kind of run it the rest of my life. It doesn't work that way, folks. It doesn't work that way. It's an ongoing process in which you incrementally grow deeper and deeper, and that's what sanctification is. But it's work. So look at what the writer says. Let's see if I got the... There we go. Okay. Two things. See if I can read it. A believer should readily accept wisdom with a teachable spirit. There it is. Listen to what he says. My son... If you accept my words and store up my commandments within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding. One of the, one of the great challenges in my own life is having a teachable spirit. I mean, Tim talked about some of this the last couple of weeks on humility, how significant that is. It's interesting The fear of the Lord is directly connected to humility in the book of Proverbs. It's fascinating, isn't it? But but what he says here is, you know what? There is a whole attitude stance that we need to have toward wisdom. And it's this, bring it on. I want it. I need it. Come on. Yeah, but what if it comes in a rebuke? I don't know about that one. 
But it can come through a rebuke, can it? I prefer it as an encouragement, <laughs> and you do too. But God can give it to, to us in all ways. But you know what it means? It's this spirit that says in, in my heart, God, I am wide open for you to point out the deep issues of my life and the recesses of my heart that I want you to work on. I accept it. I want it. I welcome it. That's hard. There's some things in my heart that I think I would just like to leave there and not tell anybody about, including God, who already knows. God says, is wisdom so important that you say, do your work, God. I'm wide open. Sort of. It's going to be hard. (laughs) But yeah, I want to be all open, (laughs) right? And, 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 And so he says, my son, my son, there's got to be this spirit that says, I will accept what you say. I, I, God, I want you to do it. And then look at verse 3. Indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure... A believer should actively pursue wisdom with a tenacious spirit. So I'm not just teachable. I am. I say, God, in every way, any, every form available, through your word, as I hear singing going on, the preaching of your word, teaching, small group, individual devotions, my, 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 my family, one of my family members who's sharing the truth with me, God, even if it's hard, Lord, I just want to be open. I want to be open. I need you. I need you. Wow, folks, that's really hard. But it's really good. Surgery, this kind of surgery hurts good. It's not just I'm open to it, and I accept it, and I welcome it, but I actively pursue it. How do we do that? Never had this experience here, but have in other churches, where people... um, find themselves a little bit annoyed with the pastor if he's not done. I mean, it's 11.30. We're normally done by quarter of 12. And I'll probably get you out early today, so that's good. Okay. Um, But they're annoyed if he's not done by 12 because they got to get home, have lunch before the football game. Look, I I like football too. I watch the highlights every week, the seven-minute highlight on the Eagles and watch them lose or whatever. But yeah, not every week, but I often watch that. Yeah, I mean, I, I like football. But, but you, you, you think about it. When you get up on Sunday morning, what is it that excites you most? Oh, I can't wait till the Eagles play Dallas today. Maybe this will be the day. Or is it, God, I, I need you. I, I, I don't know how to parent well. I don't know how to be a good husband well. I don't know how to be a good worker well. Church member well. I don't. Lord, if you will do your good work in my life today at church, I could care less what happens in that football game. I mean, I care a little, but not, not much. Doesn't it have to mean something like that? 
I was tickled. Um, do you know the name John Chrysostom? Um, Chrysostom, it's, 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 it was the term that was tagged for John. John of Antioch, he ministered around 400 AD in Antioch. Well, not a surprise if he's John of Antioch. But, th- but they called him Chrysostom, which literally means golden mouth in the Greek. Because he was a phenomenal speaker. I mean, he was such a good speaker in Antioch. Uh, he had this major turning point in like 388, and for 10 years, man, people just flocked to hear him speak everywhere. So much so that princes in Constantinople stole him and took him to Constantinople because they wanted him to be their preacher there. Have you ever had that experience? Not yet. I mean, I mean, I mean that, that would be a real compliment for a preacher. Hey, we're going to steal this guy. I mean, you know, I've never had that either. But here's one of the things he says. I thought I read this, I thought like, oh man, nothing's changed, just the venues. He says, My sermons are applauded merely from custom, then everyone runs off to the horse racing and gives much more applause to the jockeys, showing indeed unrestrained passion for them. There they put their heads together with great attention and say with mutual rivalry, This horse did not run well, that one stumbled. And one holds to this jockey and another one holds to that. No one thinks any more of my sermons, nor of the holy and awesome mysteries that are accomplished there. Wowee. Just think about it. Do you see what I mean? Things haven't changed much, have they? This text is not only saying I want you to be open, and I want you to be open from the inside out, completely open, but I want you to pursue it. I, uh, over the weekend, I was looking at some of the different great treasures that have been found around the world over the years, and you can go on and Google it, you know, they got the 20, the list of the 25 big ones and all that, and sometimes people died. But man, for those that hit the right thing, it was unbelievable. You know, now we have 30, 40 million dollars and blah, 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 and we found this rare whatever kind of a thing. And, and they're interesting stories to read and, and hear about where, where people will just, they'll give up everything so they can find that gold. And the writer of Proverbs says, How passionate are you about pursuing this? How significant is this book in your life? I know it is, you're here. I get get it, and I applaud you for that. Do you long for it? Do, 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 Do you come before and open it up and say, God, help, I want to know you. I want to know your blessed son. I want to be empowered by your glorious Holy Spirit. Help me, help me, help me, help me. And you read because you want to know the true and living God. And so, you know, it's not about me saying, well, you ought to read your Bible every day. Like, Like, what else is there if you're trying to find God? And this text is saying, Be receptive when it comes, but go get it. Read this text. You say, you know, I'm really busy. I know you guys have these small groups around here, but like, who has time for that kind of thing? Maybe that's exactly what you need. 
group of men or women gathered around you who together can encourage you in your faith walk with Christ. And as they bring the scripture to bear in your life, and maybe it's not one of our small groups, you may go out and get your own small group, get two buddies who love Christ, and you get together and pray together once a week. Just do your own thing. You don't need to use any structures here. Just get with them. Who cares? Well, find the right people, that's all. Do you see what I'm saying? God, how can I know you more through your word? Who can I enlist to help me there? It may be something as simple as buying a study Bible. See, I, I don't even know what they are. They're real nice. Everybody should have a study Bible. You can get an ESV study Bible, an NIV study Bible, a New American Standard study Bible. They're all good. Just get one. It's something else. Because haven't you ever read the scripture and go like, what in the world is going on there? And it helps to have some, at least what somebody thinks it might be going on there, kind of helps you a little bit. You know, because again, it's forcing you here because what we find in the New Testament is that all the wisdom we need is bound up in Jesus Christ and the word that he's given us. Do you see? So find every way imaginable to pursue this with the tenacity of one of those treasure hunters that gives up everything that they might find that treasure. And this text says, if you do, watch what God does. He will change the way you think. He will change the affections of your heart. You will get to situations where normally you would have blurted out something that would have just completely ruined everything. And the Spirit of God's going to say, don't say anything, quiet. And now when you speak, gently speak. And you're going to say, man, I never did that one before, and it worked. Yeah. Because it's how you're thinking. It's what you're desiring. And it comes out in everything that you do. If you have an open spirit to what God is doing from whoever it comes from. If you pursue it with the tenacity of a treasure hunter, in any way you can. Folks, some of the, I, I've met in this, this room here some of the most creative people around. You, some of the things people are like, that is really, I never thought about that before. Can you imagine if all of our create, if much of our creativity was funneled to, how can I know God better? How can I read his word? And then we started sharing this stuff with each other. Man, that is a win through and through. If, if, then you can come deeper in your faith walk with God where he's not somebody you talk about, but he's somebody you know intimately. And then you will learn the joy of moving into all of your human relationships in a way that's appropriate, knowing which ones to avoid and which ones to pursue. The father pleads with the son in Proverbs 2. The God of the universe pleads with you. 
If you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, it doesn't start by you saying, all right, I'm going to try some of this stuff. No, 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 no. You need Christ. You need to be forgiven, come into a relationship with him, and then allow his spirit to change you from the inside out. That's where it always begins. But if you have trusted Christ, will you be open to whatever God has for you? And will you pursue it with tenacity? And if you do, don't be surprised what God will do. Paul tells us, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is working in you. Both the desire and the ability to follow him. Let's pray. Father, you are so kind to us. Where would we be without your word to direct us, Lord? Yet, Father, to my own shame too, why are we not consumed with it much more than we currently are? Lord, I don't know what that means for my brothers and sisters here. I don't know what that commitment looks like exactly. Maybe... Maybe it's to begin reading their scriptures again in a way that they haven't for several weeks or months. I don't know. But will you prompt them in their hearts to pursue what is most important, and that is you and what you have for us in this life? Lord, thank you for speaking to us. Continue your good work, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.
simplicity of but the the uh, magnificence of that example of bumpers <laughs> and boundaries god thank you so much for boundaries and for bumpers that you <clears throat> for those of us in christ do not allow to wander too far from you god i i, I ask uh, this week and just moving forward that you would allow that truth to um really motivate us, Father, to run right down the middle of that lane in chasing after wisdom in everything that you uh, dictate as so. God, help us to really be immersed in your word this week and just to chase after what that means in each and every one of our uh, uh, spheres of influence. Uh, Thank you for the service and for your word, and we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.